following podcast contains mature language and spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Top 5 Comics, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. Today with us, we have the CD raccoon vendor, Curtis. <laughs> I've never sold a raccoon in my life. We have the corrupt meter master, Ross. Hi. <laughs> I don't I don't know how corrupt that is even. Yes. That's the one who goes back behind your house and looks at your power meter. Oh, okay. Never yeah. Mind. Corrupt. Corrupt. Alter the space time continuum. Yes. <laughs> if you didn't use enough power, he's gonna make sure you did. <laughs> we have the man who steals the pine cones out of your tree and then throws them at your windshield. CBS. <laughs> They're covered in pitch and they Stick. Uh, I'm glad that's the only thing we're doing up in a tree. That's not the only thing. And on a car. <laughs> Sometimes he buys the raccoons from Curtis. Occasionally I buy a raccoons. That way they can pin it on somebody. It's all about deniability. Sweet army of raccoons. Hell yeah. <laughs> Go, and they just scatter everywhere. That's not what I meant. <laughs> Get back in your cages. And the guy spying at you from underneath the manhole covers in the middle of the street. Rob. That's why they clatter when you drive over them. <laughs> I'm watching. That's a creepy title. I'm watching yeah. you. There's a, lot, there's a lot of words in that. So, <laughs> I think there'd be a better place to hide. You think there would be a good? <laughs> you think there'd be a good acronym? But no, no. The business card's actually just a sketch. It's little eyes underneath the manhole. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, it's bad. At first, I thought of Ninja Turtles, and then I thought of Pennywise the Clown. <laughs> Both come from the streets. Yeah. And that under the streets. That's what I meant by that. They all come <laughs> from the streets. <laughs> I don't know. You mean that like from Compton? No. <laughs> Well, maybe. I, I don't know. I'm pretty I sure they from, have sewers in Compton. I meant from the sewers. Oh, float. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Uh. <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay. You stop it over Sorry. there. My, yeah. I got stuck. It's all right. Okay, uh, this is uh, Curtis from Top 5 po- Comics Podcast, and we're working on uh, kind of downgrading our podcast, as it were. It lengthens up to about, I don't know, maybe two hours or so per episode, so I know that gets kind of long and at some points, but it's every two weeks that we come out, not every week, so I kind of look at it as a two-week or a single-week podcast, an hour at each, so if you listen to it like that, that's probably going to be better off. I mean, it's comics, and that's what people like, and we like comics and going over the pop culture of comics and i've never really liked the term pop culture but if you want to listen to uh people talk about comics that you like or maybe you want to get into go ahead and listen to top five comics podcast and uh, tell us what you think what's your disagreement with the term pop culture i've never enjoyed that word i have a problem with the word pop is it just because it sounds so confectionary fluffy like it yeah, creates the, the material being discussed that or 
just a generic term that, I don't know, it just doesn't encompass everything for me. So I've heard people say geek culture, which could be seen as defamatory, or in the case of comic books, comic book culture. So Well, and it's different from way back when, because, I mean, we didn't have the internet to catapult us into everybody's lexicon and view. So now I, I've never liked the term geek or nerd. It just doesn't encompass who we are as people, because we've actually come a long way. I'll occasionally self-apply that as a shorthand, especially when I'm around regular people, which is in and of itself not the most respectful of terms to people who just right. aren't into the stuff that I'm into. But yeah, it is a little bit defamatory and it is kind of minimizing, so I can definitely see where there might be some dispute there. Right. I'm not up in arms about it. I just don't prefer to use it. If somebody uses it, I'm okay with it. Um, it just gives that basis of knowledge of where we're at and what we like and where we're going with uh, what we read or view or watch yeah. or anything like that. And yeah. it does, it's not offending at all. It's just, it is what it is. Have you coined or heard of an alternative term you prefer? Oh, no. I've thought about it, but I just can't. I mean, culture inclusive, there's nothing there that actually portrays what pop culture does portray. It's not bad in and of itself. It's just, I've never really liked the word. So having established your bona fides, you said you had another side project that you're working on as well. I forget what it's called half the time. Welcome to Odyssey Unleashed Podcast. I'm Curtis. I'm Mike. This is Bob. Jay. I'm Ross. That would be our team of podcasters. If you're not down with that, we got two words for you. Suck it. There's really no script for this. Hopefully it goes well. Um, I'd, I'd like to have like some creator spotlights maybe sometime. Some of the creators that got us into it, like Starenko, uh, Burn. Oh, yeah. All those guys, Wrights and... Storanko's cool. Talk about them for a while, how, how they impacted you and, and what some you... Of the, some of the creators we've met. Oh, definitely. And you don't know what you're going to... You know, you know how they're going to be. Some creators that you met that you put on a high pedestal and you meet them, and it's like, I don't like that guy. Anyway, uh, yeah, come say hi to us, or you can reach us at odyssey-unleashed at hotmail.com. Uh, you can see our Twitter handle at odysseyunleash. Uh, odysseyunleashed.wordpress.com is our WordPress, WordPress blog. And yeah, come and it's going to be a good time, I think. So, uh. Later. If we see it, we see it. If we don't, we don't. We'll catch your ass down the road. Odyssey Unleashed podcast, and that's going to be pretty much everything that we talk about. You and I would maybe enjoy maybe some sports, maybe wrestling. We're going to do some music. I'm a big heavy metal fan, so I want to bring some of that into it. We'll go from there and see how that works. Yeah, Mac is actually an 80s metal aficionado, specifically Megadeth. Oh, yeah? No, that's the band that I started metal on, so I'm there with Mac.
I'm going to throw up devil horns. Nobody can see it, but I'm, I'm giving them out there. <laughs> no, I'm actually wearing a Metallica t-shirt too. So I've got a Jeppy Museum shirt on because that whole conversation we just had, I, I definitely own the <laughs> nerd culture, whatever you want to call it. Right. No, that's that's good, man. It was. I'm wearing a revival hat too. So excellent, excellent. I decided that I wanted to buy some books in floppy. I'd become a trade waiter, and one of the bad yeah. things about being a trade waiter is often that trade never actually comes to your door. Right. Um, so revival was a book that I was trying to go ahead and make my monthly fix, and then I found that I liked the book, but I didn't like it in an installment plan. So I switched right. to trades, and now I, I've got a collection of trades that I still haven't gotten around to reading. That, and my real sin is Saga. I've yet to mm-hmm. read anything but maybe the first issue of Saga, but I have it, four of them either in-house or on order. I've actually read all the Saga, and I don't, it, it's not that I hate it, I just don't get all the hubbub about it. It's just, a, it's a sci-fi fantasy, and it shows genitals and stuff, so <laughs> that's that's where I am with Saga. It's not bad, it's just I don't catch it monthly. Yeah, I, actually, I feel that way about Why the Last Man. I tried to give that a shot, and uh, mm. Fables as well were these books with fairly passionate fan bases that didn't do it for me, but Vaughn has won me over on a number of occasions. Mm. I really just like genitals in my sci-fi, so I'm giving <laughs> I'm playing it, out right? the long form, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like Battle, Battle Queen 2020. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Growing up where I grew up, I was about the only nerd that read. See, I threw nerd in there for you. I was about the only kid that read comic books, so I didn't have that outlook, and when I was younger, the, my entrance into comic books was Mickey Mouse comics, children's comics like that. My mom used to work at a supermarket, and all the stuff was, the uh, covers were ripped off. So I would get free comic books, and she would have a free gift. So that's kind of how I came into it. And like, mid-90s is when I actually started really getting the comic books with Captain America and all the Marvel goodness. So I didn't know about Secret Wars until probably a good five years past that, because my whole world was encompassed by what I was reading now. And that was back in 97. You're like, yeah, I came into Marvel during the good old days, and it's like, 96, 97, wasn't that like Cap in the Armor and Rob Liefeld? Yeah, yeah that was the whole uh, Rob Liefeld, double boob Captain America guy, so. Did you at least get to progress to Kurt Busiek, Iron Man, or Wade and Garney Cap, or something along those lines? Yeah, no, I followed it through there, even Sentinel of Liberty, and I hated Iron Man, and I still do, but I didn't hate him as bad back then. Well, he wasn't as omnipresent now. If you hated Iron Man to begin with, you can't yeah. get away from that guy now, and with Halloween coming up, Lord knows how many of those suits are going to be on your street. Oh, yeah. It's going to be terrible for me. Well, I, I kind of sidetracked you, though. I'm sorry about that. You were coming in the mid-90s, and yeah. you where exactly was your entry point, though? Because was it the late cronyism era, where all those guys who'd been writing the books for 12 years were still writing them, or did you come in with Heroes Reborn, Heroes Return? What was your entry point, exactly? I think Heroes Reborn was just a year after I started reading it, and I remember, actually, my first book I think I ever read was Captain America, and it was an annual. I can't remember which one, but I took it to school and got it taken away by the teacher and she put masking tape on the cover and that's where my love for books actually solidified was because I could not take the masking tape off the cover without it ripping. They just didn't appreciate a collector's item value, you know? They didn't and it, and that was mine and my name was on it now so I guess it's still mine. <laughs> I've got, you know, it's funny. My grandmother, for some reason, I think because she knew that I was living in a neighborhood where a lot of stuff that I would buy didn't stay in my possession over mm-hmm. the long term. So for mm-hmm. some reason she picked one comic book, Chris Star, number three, and wrote my name around the indicia, if I recall correctly, or above the splash page. And mm-hmm. I've kept that book for all these years because that's the one book that she wrote my name in. Right. My grandma actually bought that for me, too. So she kind of spurred me into it and then bought me some subscriptions during that good old Marvel time of late 90s when they had those good subscription prices in 1999. Oh, man. That's like, what, three books nowadays? Yeah, exactly. So what else did you read? So here's what I got. I had Captain America, 
I did have Iron Man, but I never read it because that was a subscription my grandma got for me. Incredible Hulk and Fantastic Four, I believe, were the foundation of my reading material at that point. So we was still Paul Ryan and Tom DeFalco on Fantastic Four at that point, right? That was the latter days when Reed was gone for periods and Sue was Trampy Sue. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Then they uh, mentioned having, I think his daughter's name is Valeria and Franklin, and that was when I got turned off of Fantastic Four itself, too. Was that Claremont that did that? I remember the daughter coming to the fore. Wasn't she like some way manipulated by Doctor Doom or she was from the future or something? I I, I think it was the Doctor Doom angle. Okay. Yeah, see, I I have a vague recollection. With Heroes Return, everybody was focused, well, I don't know about everybody, but in my circles, Iron Man was the one you were worried about because he'd had such a bad time prior to Heroes Reborn, where Fantastic Four kind of fell by the wayside quickly, even though it had Sal LaRocca. There was something about Claremont just seemed like he was trying to rewrite all of his old X-Men scripts, and it did not work on that book at all. Right. I just don't have any liking for Franklin or Valeria, and that's what turned me off of that as well. You stuck with Hulk and Cap? I stuck with Hulk and Cap, and I picked up all the back catalog of Hulk, the Peter David stuff, uh, from the crossroads of when the Hulk was banished to the crossroads. From there forward is the back catalog of Hulk that I read. That's a really good run of books, though. I've not read a lot of the Bill Mantlo stuff, but Uh those. I've complained a number of times on the show about how much I hated Hulk growing up, but Uh when I did enjoy a Hulk comic, it always seemed to be from that Mantlo period, at least the stuff before Peter David. I don't know, it was just interesting seeing him in different environments and interacting with stuff beyond the same old, same old that had crouched itself in that book for so many years. Right. To this day, I I mean, I don't even read the Hulk anymore, but when I want to, I'll go back to when he got banished to the crossroads and read from there back again. The super foes, uh, all all those crazy, crazy times he had back in the early 80s. Sal Bushima was still drawing it back then, right? It was. Did you get to catch out any of the uh, Mike Mignola stuff? I think I got a couple of them. I mean, his art style was different back then. It's even more different now. I'm not a big fan of uh, Mignola, so I don't go searching for that stuff now, but I think I got a couple of his issues. Sal Bushima is one of the forgotten greats. I don't think people appreciate how awesome and how diverse he was, especially when he was in his prime on the right book, and he was such mm-hmm. a good fit for a Hulk especially, I thought. Oh, definitely, and uh, and Conan at that point. That was always John's book, so whenever Sal would have anything to do with Conan, I was like, you're out of your territory, sir. You have to go back to Spider-Man now. <laughs> Uh, no, I can respect that. So who are your heroes now, though? Who, is the, who are the guys that you have held on to throughout your life? Marvel-wise? Sure. Oh, man, I can't even remember what I'm reading from Marvel right now. That says a lot, then. So what shook you off of Marvel? Just story-wise, it's it, it's not the same. I mean, you don't want to be the same, but it's just not the same as it used to be. There are more uh, grand stories that go universe-wide, and sometimes you have to pick up five different titles to get one story, and that just throws me off. And I don't want to spend that much money to get a story about Captain Marvel or a Quasar or anything, anybody that I wanted to follow at that point. And it just kind of threw me off. And that's where the trade waiting comes in. So I can't remember any Marvel book that I've actually got on my pull list right now. I was reading a comic on my tablet at work today, and mm-hmm. a fellow was asking me, you know, oh, you, you like the, the comic stuff, and why comics versus anything else? And I explained, well, the thing is, I would go down to the 7-Eleven, and my grandmother would give me a couple of bucks to buy a pack of Virginia Slims, which I think at the time were a buck fifty, a buck seventy-five, and, you know, a grade schooler could buy a pack of cigarettes back then. Mm-hmm. She'd give me a little extra change, and I'd mixed with the change from the cigarettes, I would have enough money to buy a comic book. And this was before VCRs. This was, I mean, not the existence, but my poor ass didn't have any VCRs. 
Oh, yeah. Um, I basically, my entertainment was the black and white TV in the back room, toys, or comic books. And yeah. the comic books had more traction, more entertainment value, more repeat value to me than anything else. Whereas today, I'm not sure that there's any reason to motivate somebody to buy a comic book, not just because of the price, but because there are so many other entertainment options. I think I was just product of my time, and that's why I embrace this stuff. Right. And mine's, I think I've stayed with it. Firstly, for nostalgia point, because that's what uh, had me reading, and that's what helped me to read. And that, those were the first gifts that I can remember getting from my mom's comic books. So that that's honestly, I can that I can think of the only thing in my life that's been through with me through my adulthood. So another thing for me with comics is that they traveled. I moved around a lot, making new friends at every stop wasn't necessarily high on my agenda. But mm-hmm. I could take Captain America with me across state lines, and it was like we'd never been parted. Yeah, no, I, I can understand that. I mean, it's like like you said, you move from uh, you move from city to city, and you have to make new friends. But with comics, those friends are with you. It's a, this weird phenomenon, and I wasn't aware of it until I started listening to podcasts. But it seemed like a lot of people, and you mentioned this yourself, you read comics in isolation. You were the only guy who was reading comic books. Where when yeah. I was growing up, if there was any problem, it's that people kept swiping my comic books. I was a comic book guy. Everybody wanted the comic books. Everybody wanted to come by and read the comic books with me. I have trouble wrapping my brain around it because, like, well, comics bring people to you. You don't have to read the comics alone. Right. Well, in, in my case, I wouldn't take them to school because I was the only one that had them. So I wouldn't take them to school because I didn't want people to, I don't know, read my stuff. And in particular, I had a year there where I had one quote-unquote friend that uh, my understanding is he ended up swiping the equivalent of probably a short box from me over the course of that year. <laughs> yeah, see, that's I kept to myself when I was a young youngster. And that was the same year that I had a teacher pick up one of my books and just rip it up in front of me because I just wasn't a very good student that year. I kind of was asking for it. Yeah, but that's still your property. Eh, I think about it every now and again. I don't even remember what issue it was. I don't have this masking tape comic in my collection that will always haunt me. <laughs> right. I was going to be like, okay, this is one one book, but it's now in four parts. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's like that Steranko Nick Fury image where you have to buy four comics to put the whole image together, except in this yeah. case, it's just the comic in four pieces and you have to find a way to... That would actually be kind of a fun project. Tear a comic book up and then try to figure out how to get each individual component to work properly so you could turn a page and read the story. Maybe at that time, nowadays, I don't think that would be good to tear up those 60s books. Maybe not the 60s books, but um, yeah. I've got a fair few that I bought in recent months for too much money. I'd be perfectly happy to tear up. Right. There's a number of books I would like to tear up too, but that's beside the point now. If I can find a good sell, I'll buy the trades now. Because I, I still like to get the floppies and support that title. And see, that's an issue for me. I do like a monthly installment of something that works in that format, mm-hmm. but I was an early adopter of trades. I bought Captain America Sentinel of Liberty at a B. Dalton bookseller in 1983, 1984. So even before that, I think they even coined the term trade paperback, I was picking up trades. They didn't have them at the libraries, but it was great to have a book that was solid. It wouldn't fall apart. It was harder to steal. I kept a better eye on those books. I've always preferred trade paperbacks, although I'm now at the point where I've got too many trades and there's taken up as much space as the floppies ever did. Right. No, and, and we, we kind of discussed that on, the, on our podcast about if you trade weight, that title may not exist further past that trade. Oh, yeah. Oh, the economics of it, you're absolutely in the right. If you want a book yeah. to survive and you know that it's at that line, if you're not buying the floppy, you're really not supporting the book because, right. yeah, they're going to go ahead and give you that last collection. They'll spit out. It, it's like I've been picking up the uh, collections of the Martian Manhunter uh, 90 series that DC 
Nation mm-hmm. came out. And they're only selling 800 copies of that book. And I thought, oh my God, this book must be in the bottom of the 300 for trade paperbacks. And I go and look, yeah. it's like, actually, that's not too bad. They can knock out an 800 copy trade run and then just wrap it up. And it's not a big deal for them. They've made a few bucks and they've mm-hmm. satisfied that small audience. But there hasn't been any Marsh Manor series since then. Nobody's even right. really tried. If you're not buying those floppies, they're not going to make more. Mm-hmm. Well, there are some books that that doesn't really apply to. Like, I think The Walking Dead could be funded just by the selling the trades, but it could still be a monthly installment book, just like Saga and all those top independent books at this point. Jonah Hex was one like that, where the floppies never sold well, but the trades were so solid that DC basically underwrote it. They figured, okay, the, the monthly is giving us an opportunity to produce material to put in the trades that we're actually making cash off of. Yeah, no, I, I can see that in the long run on, on some of these things, maybe like original graphic novels selling as well. If you're waiting for Invincible Trades, I would say read the damn book on a monthly installment. That way you support that book because it's not Marvel selling numbers. It's not DC selling numbers. It's got to survive month to month in my eyes. Well, and that's also a book where you get added value because there's always, that's one of those ones with the famous letter column, which barely exists anymore anyway for any title. But you actually have a letter column where the creators are interacting with the fans. There's information being conveyed that never makes it into the book proper. And uh, they don't like to collect the covers and a lot of these books have lovely artwork that is only featured on those covers. I'm not going to give you 50 bucks for a hardcover collection of Morning Glories covers. Um, So, yeah, sometimes if you're going to get more out of the book if you go ahead and buy the floppy anyway. It's not just a matter of the economics of it and trying to support the creators. It's that you're going to get more for the money. Definitely. And I think readers today, if they're not like they were back in the day, they'll come in to buy one single issue of one book monthly. Good on them to support that book or they'll buy the trade six months down the road. It's just a different dynamic and it's, it's waning, I think, in that regard. Oh, just the industry as, as a whole? Yeah. As a monthly as a monthly installment, it is. I think we're, we're going to be going more toward collected issues and original graphic novels and stuff like that. I got to throw digital into the mix as well. I, I, I would. I just hate digital sometimes, but it is very beneficial for those who don't have a lot of room or, or want to take it on the go and you don't have to carry 50 single issue books to read 50 issues. I'm finding that I have the same mentality toward comics as I do toward movies. There are instances where I just want to have a physical copy of something that I love in my house. I want it on the shelf. I want to have the opportunity to talk about that. I want to know that if the entire world ends and nothing streams on the internet anymore, that I can still take this thing down and do something with it and be able to experience it one more time. But the majority of the things I'm exposed to, TV, movies, I'm probably happy to just have a digital recreation of it. For instance, I I listen to the Fire and Water podcast and Rob Mm -hmm. Kelly will talk about, he's picking up a lot of these digital books. He's going to pick up Sensation Comics and he's talking about he's eight issues into the series. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? And I realized, oh, he's talking about these little eight digital editions of the book. Right. I still, if I want to read a book, I still buy either the physical trade or the physical comic book. In that case of Sensation Comics, that's what I'm buying every month. But the mentality is like, you know, for guys who are used to picking things up in an installment plan, if you get into that habit of, oh, this week there's a new issue of this and it may only be eight pages, but you still have that habit. Mm -hmm. You're still indulging in that habit. The downside, of course, is that there are a lot of people who need that social interaction of going to a comic shop and talking to other people about their comics. And if the economics of comics don't change soon, most of those shops, or at least a fair number of them, especially the smaller town shops, they're just going to shut down and you're going to have to get that communication through things like Skype, podcasts, message boards, whatever's current, because the places that you go to to discuss this stuff will no longer exist and that social opportunity that is provided will no longer be there for you. No, I agree. And I didn't grow up with that. I didn't have a comic shop in my town, so I didn't have an interaction nowadays. That's why I go to the comic book shop is to speak with these guys that I 
want to share my insight of books with, just like podcasts. I don't listen to any podcasts. I think Rolled Spine is one of the only ones that I listen to comic book wise. The way you guys talk is the way you would talk in a comic book shop. And that's what I enjoy to listen to. So I think that's where it comes from. Well, it makes sense because all three of us met through a comic shop. I was running it. They were there. I, there were a number of people I would love to still be in contact with from that shop where it just didn't happen. Those people fell away. But we've been having these conversations for 20 years. And the only major difference is we go ahead and throw it up on the internet and hopefully people enjoy it. I definitely thank you for the compliment. That's great. I'm glad. That's what I want the show to be. And that's, you know, we just let it hang loose, honestly. It's just that we're just being us, essentially. Right. And that, that's what just draws, I guess, my attention to it. Like I said, I don't listen to any of the podcasts that I've, I've tried different podcasts, but I just can't. I don't care about a review. I don't care about that as much as dissecting the book and finding out what each person believes instead of just one person's ideal toward that book. Plus the random tangents that come out. Oh, the, those are the best. Those are the best kind of conversations, I think. And that's what I like to listen to. So. Yeah, that's a if there's one thing that bothers me about the podcast that I'd like to work on is that Fix It is a guy who just will jump from subject to subject to subject. And because of how the podcast is structured, he's restraining that respect. One of these days, mm. I just have to put a mic somewhere in his vicinity. You have to chase him to keep that mic on him. But just like, <laughs> like pin him and just let him start talking. And you'll have two hours worth of just completely random conversation that jumps way out of comics, but would still be entertaining. That's why I love that guy. Right. And when, when Fix It talks, I think it's uh, Danny Trejo. There was nothing cooler than me being, you know, 13 years old, cruising around with my uncle, cruising around in a 1949 Ford convertible with a quart of beer. I don't know why, but I picture Fix It as Danny Trejo when he's talking. Not remotely accurate, but I, I still think you take it as a compliment. <laughs> right. I, and when Mac's talking, I think it's uh, Steven Seagal. And when you're talking, it's J.J. Abrams. <laughs> oh, God. Well, I, I, I came out the worst in that deal then. But, uh, but uh, I'm sure you've experienced this with podcasting. Boy, does podcasting pull back the onion on uh, your self-image. Because oh, yeah. you think oh, yeah. you sound like one thing, and it's like, nah. Paquita, who guested on an episode recently, when she finally heard what she actually sounds like, and it confirmed all the criticism that she had had about her accent over the years where she's like I don't have a dick accent people can understand me and she heard herself she's like oh my god how can anybody understand anything I say it's like sorry sorry baby right. <laughs> I've, I've always hated the way I sound I know what I sound like and I think I sound like an idiot so no no, no. <laughs> we, we, we're always going to either build ourselves up or tear ourselves down and typically I think the better people are going to tear themselves down some but don't do it man don't embrace the negative accentuate the oh, positive I've, I've embraced it and uh, I'm okay with it though so I'm good. Um, wow, we've gotten way the hell off topic. Yeah, we did. Um, that's what I like to listen to, though. So, my evolutionary council created me. No, and I'm actually trying to buy that whole uh, uh, Jim Starlin Warlock thing. So, what, what the essential, or are you just buying the back uh, issues, or what? The, the whole package of, of uh, Jim Starlin's run. So, I was going through. I think it was Marvel Unlimited. I was just trying to check and see which issues I had, what I needed, mm -hmm. and I never realized how short his Captain Marvel run was. It's only about like eight to ten issues. Yeah, and, he wasn't on there a long time. And Warlock is collected <laughs> it's pretty much his entirety in a six issue miniseries that they put out in the Baxter format in the early eighties. Oh yeah. So it's uh, it's there, really easy to get it together if you're just trying to read it in one chunk. Oh, yeah. I think there's just a lot of love lost with Warlock for some reason. And uh, nobody can make him work or Marvel doesn't want him to work for anybody but Jim Starlin or Dan Abnett and the other guy that writes with him. I forget his oh, name. Actually, they had a falling out. It's very mysterious. Abnett and Lanning worked together for yes. 20 years and all of a sudden they want nothing to do with each other. Mm -hmm. No, I heard about that. That was right after their, uh, was a Battlestar Galactica run? No, Hypernatural's over at Boom, I believe. Oh, yeah, they did do that together. Yeah. 
Yeah. I meant to try to read more of that, but I don't like paying what Boom wants for their trade paperbacks. Right. And um, see, I picked it up in singles. So, no, it was, it was an okay story. It was just Legion of Superheroes for a different yeah. generation. And they'd already written Legion of Superheroes. I read it the first time. So, yeah. but I, I like those guys. I kind of want to support them. But I, I would say with Warlock, problem number one was George Lucas, is mm-hmm. that Starlin decided, oh, if you're going to bring Warlock back, it's going to be by me. And he tried to approach Warlock after he stopped doing shrooms. So. <laughs> He would have to be in a certain not pleasant headspace to work on that character, or he's just another boring space stiff. And Starling wrote a boring space stiff, and so has most other people. Mm-hmm. There are characters that are pristine. There are characters that are beautiful, and you, you, you have to treat them like Tiffany. And then there are some characters you just got to get dirty. And Warlock's yeah. a guy, you just got to drag him through the mud. And Marvel won't let the right people do that. Right. Or they don't want one of their characters drugged through the mud for some reason. Which is funny, too, because if you're ever going to do Warlock right, you really can't. Like, Disney's never going to let them put out a movie that actually does Warlock right. Right, so I want them to leave that character alone. It's, uh, what is it, Dashiell Hammett? I just want to go to the shelf and pick up the book. It's still on my shelf. I don't need any no. of this other stuff. I don't want to worry about any of this other stuff. Right, no, I agree with that. Just like the Sentry, even though that's a more modern character, they drug him through the mud, and now he's gone again, so. That was a really great concept that they needed to leave in two books. I think the original miniseries and Jeff Parker's, what was it, Era of the Sentinel? What was that miniseries yeah. called? Those are the two Sentry books, and all that other stuff should have never happened. I agree. Split them up into what the Boyd and Bob. Yeah. Well, that, and they let Bendis have him, and I don't want to be that guy, but man, you let Bendis have something, and he'll just ruin it for everybody. I would agree with you, except for that new X-Men run was okay until the last couple issues, so. Yeah, I have heard some good things, and he's such a Claremontian writer anyway that it makes sense. I'm surprised it took him this long to do anything with the X-Books. Right, but I mean, some of his Avenger stuff was good. I liked his Luke Cage back then. There are particular points where he's done okay, so I can't agree 100%. Jessica Jones and the various characters that uh, encountered her in Alias. Mm-hmm. That worked. Okay, I, I read that whole omnibus and it was a good book. And let Bendis have those guys. Don't let him have the porcelain characters. Right. The st- you want maybe the street level, leave him at that. Man, whenever that guy tries to do anything too cosmic, it's just bad. Right. So of course, I give him Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy, which I haven't heard anybody say good things about. The, the new one? Yeah, I, I've heard a lot of bad stuff about that. Have you heard yeah, different? I've actually enjoyed it. Have but you? Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm a cosmic guy through and through. So What is it that you like that you think maybe? other people would not respond to. I don't know. I, I liked when it started when they had um, Iron Man up there. I, I liked that conversation between him and Rocket. Just Rocket putting him in his place. I, I, I enjoyed that tremendously. I haven't read the last couple issues, but I like Nova. I think he brings something if they brought him into the team. I think, you know, that that might be that particular niche. And I like that they brought in Captain Marvel. I don't know. I just, I, I, I don't really go in tearing books apart. I never have. I go in for the ride, just like movies. And, uh, if the story is plausible and good, I'll enjoy it and I won't tear it apart. That's why it's hard for me to be in a podcast sometimes because I may enjoy the book, but I know that it's not the best thing in the world. Pretty unapologetic with my tastes. I've, I like some stuff that everybody hates and I hate some stuff that everybody likes. Right. And I think it makes for a more interesting conversation to be on the opposing side, not artificially, but from your actual genuine place. Right. No, and I understand that and it's respectable. If the story's good, I, like I said, usually it's got to be a cosmic story for me to enjoy, but I can tear apart other stuff as well, but it's just, sometimes it's just hard. Like this new Godhead stuff going through DC, I tore apart my uh, the shop owner for, for that one, so. DC is so toxic to me, I don't even waste my, my mind <laughs> my mentality on it anymore. I don't even think about it. But you know, uh, I, 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 I'm glad to hear you, you're defending Guardians of the Galaxy. It's all secondhand for me. I've not read anything. You know, we're very slowly working our way toward those books, you know, through the Annihilation. I need to reserve my opinion until I've actually experienced myself and have one. 
one. Right, but I'm suspect, so, <laughs> you know, my, my opinions are kind of skewed into, if it's a cosmic book, I'm going to give it a better rating than a non-cosmic book for some reason. Yeah, oh yeah, we all have our personal preferences, and if somebody plays through it, I'm a fan of the Resident Evil film series. I can't mm-hmm. browbeat anybody over taste, but I, right. I legitimately, thoroughly enjoy the majority of those movies. It touches the right sequence of buttons in my brain, and I, I and I know they're objectively, there's a lot of badness to them, but I can completely overlook that because of the joy they bring me for what they are. Oh, and you're talking to a guy that watches B-movies, religiously, horror movies, and they're the most terrible movies in the world, but I still recommend them to my friends. Well, sometimes it's just nice to go into something with low to no expectations and have a happy surprise instead of what usually happens is you go into a film that's been heavily lauded and you have these high hopes and they don't get met. I think oh, yeah. whatever chemical reaction your brain is having, you get more out of sometimes those movies. You just let be what they are. Oh, definitely. And I've, I've even said that I know it's going to be crap, so I'm going to go in expecting crap. And if it's slightly better, then I've got slightly better crap. So how many of those 10, 40, 100 movie collections that are sold at department stores for like five bucks do you have? I've probably got about 25 of them. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the drive-in movie ones and mm. all those old sci-fi ones that have 100 packs. It's great yeah. to put on a movie like a song and just sort of let it play in the background. And when it actually gets your attention and you turn around, it's like, hey, that was a fun little part of the movie. Hey, that was a nice little twist. Hey, I bet you this movie that I really liked stole from this scene right here from this movie that oh. nobody ever saw before. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It's just little nuggets that you see that you think would make a better movie. And then you keep watching. And then 25 movies down the line, you see, hey, this is a better movie with that same idea. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the last series I bought from DC was Rebels. R-E-B-E-L-S. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I, with, with Docs. Yeah, yeah, with Real Doc. Because yeah. I, I love the Real Doc's great, character. Great. I'm trying to remember. That was a great what, 20 se- 22nd level intellect or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or 12, I think it was 12th level intellect. 12th, like yeah. And I love the Doc's character. I was a big fan of the prior series from the mid-90s. Mm-hmm. And it, I kept waiting for that book to get to the place where it seemed like it wanted to go. Because it seemed like it, what it wanted to be was what became Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Take a whole bunch of these space characters that are cool that nobody's really doing anything with. You got Adam Strange and Captain Comet and Lobo and trying to make them all work and make like the JLA of space. And mm-hmm. it didn't get to anywhere near that point until at least 15 or so issues into the run. And then once it actually reached that point, they didn't seem like they knew what to do with them and let them drift back off again. So mm-hmm. I have 20, I think it was 28 issues of this series. And I bought it month after month because it was just good enough not to tick me off, but it never got to where I wanted it to go. And this book costs, what, probably three bucks a pop? So I spent yeah. like $100 on a book that I never really enjoyed. Right. Why? No, I, I actually enjoyed that series. I liked it in times. There were places yeah. I liked it, but it never got to the point where I wanted it to be. No, I, I agree with that. I think it was Tomasi that wrote it. And, that one uh, was uh, Tony Bader. That's right. And uh, I think Claude Sadobin was the uh, artist mm-hmm. on most of the issues. Yeah, and and, I think- a very underrated artist. I very much was enjoying that book visually. Oh, yeah. It was it was great. And it, it was very detailed. It just wasn't the standard DC Marvel style at that point. It was actually a standout to me for that reason. And they brought in Lobo, so I totally, I totally dug Lobo at that point. I would never call myself a Lobo fan, but mm-hmm. I so much enjoy those rare instances where Lobo is done right and he works within the context in which he's been employed. He's such a great character to play off of. Right. And uh, honestly, and the book definitely picked up when he came on board. He, I enjoyed the book a lot more, if for no other reason than because of Lobo's presence. No, no, I agree with that. And Lobo, when done right, is a good read, but I don't think he, he could have held his own book at that point. Uh, man, I, you know, he, he had a series that ran for about five years, and mm-hmm. if you just want to torture yourself, try to read 
through that run. It, it's, it's, it, that's the feel of that book for the entire run. It's like, I don't really want to write this, but they won't stop giving me checks and I can't stop cashing them. Right. No. That, and that's how sometimes a lot of these, even new books feel that they try, I don't know, shoving down our throats or doing whatever because it's the popular thing right now and they may not even be selling, but that's what they're doing regardless. Well, and the funny thing with Lobo too is Lobo is one of those characters that people who didn't buy any other comic books would come in and buy that book. Mm-hmm. It's uh, There is this sort of elitism where, or this hive mind where we all get together and decide which books are good and which books are bad and people will sway your opinions as part of the whole cult of personality thing. And then there's this guy who read a Lobo book or somebody gave him a Lobo book or a Punisher book or whatever that character happens to be and they read that book, they like it, they maybe read a few other books, it's not their cup of tea and they will faithfully buy that book for years and eventually they end up dying off or they cancel it or whatever or it changes and they don't enjoy it anymore. I don't think the comic book industry has ever understood those characters, that those characters exist, that someone who never bought any other comic books will still be buying Conan if you'll just keep publishing it. And it's not for the rest of us. It's not for the broad base of fanboys. It's for that guy. And if you don't let that guy have his book, he won't ever buy anything else from you ever again. You'll never have an opportunity to sell anything else to him. Yeah, and it's stingy in some points because somebody can come and and buy Walking Dead, but they will not reach out to any other books because they're stuck on that one and they don't want to be disappointed. I don't know what it is, but it's hard to watch sometimes. I just stopped buying Walking Dead and that was definitely another Inertia book because that was a title I really, really enjoyed for maybe 10 trades and then I have another 12 or so where I just don't enjoy it and I won't get out of the habit of buying it and I finally decided All Out War was my jumping off point. But if that's the only thing you're reading and you don't have your attention divided, me being a, a zombie fan, I've seen a lot of different movies and I've read a lot of different books and so I can see where it's not even really in the genre it's kind of gone off and doing more of a road warrior thing now it's mm-hmm. not where my interests are but if you haven't exposed yourself to as much crap as I have that might actually be new and exciting to you I can't begrudge people for wanting to stick to that thing that suits them right and speaking about zombies back in 08 I bought every zombie movie that I could find like zombie 5 you go over to Germany and get uh, zombie apocalypse after 08 then it started getting popular again and it started dying off and I'm like I can't buy everything zombie now so mm-hmm. my Entrance, my interests have changed too. I'm still a horror fan, but it's gone more sci-fi at this point. So I kind of know where, where you're coming from in that angle. I've known people who've rejected the zombie. Oh, it's cool now. But I, I totally, I see your perspective more than theirs where it just becomes so overwhelming. And if you can be the completest, if you can see every zombie movie, every movie that's inspired by the Romero style zombie, that's mm-hmm. something that you can take as an accomplishment. Honestly, I, I would. But then all of a sudden there's a bajillion of them and you just cannot see them all. And yeah. most of them aren't any damn good anyway and, I, and not just in the like b-movie sense where it's not up to the standards of the classics but i'm saying just horrible terrible asylum stuff where nobody involved in the production it, there's no ed woods there it's just it's all about putting out a movie that sounds kind of like another movie and getting you to buy something in the, out of the red box that you didn't intend to that's, um, that's the truth. yeah i mean it because it, it used to be like zombies one of the reasons why i like zombies is that if you're going to go through the trouble of making a zombie movie you probably had a passion for it because that was the hardcore stuff that was the stuff where you, you got all these guys who watch their slasher movies they're not going to delve into that and now I guess audiences have been either so desensitized or they've understood what we loved about it so much and they've delved into it it's not ours anymore and there's so many guys who are making crap that never had a passion for it it's just because there's an audience out there there's enough people for the numbers to add up to where even if you put out some garbage that nobody cares about it'll still make X amount of money it dilutes something that used to be very primal and something that used to be more reliable in terms of quality definitely and once once something 
it's the hook of the public, it kind of jerks it away from me. And it's not that I don't like something being popular. It's just I like to collect a lot of stuff. And that kind of does not endear itself toward my collecting abilities at that point. I tend to like a zombie movie when it does something different. Like one of my mm-hmm. favorites of recent years was Warm Bodies because that movie hadn't been made before. But there are so right. many guys. I mean, and I'm enjoying Walking Dead right now. I think it's a pretty good show. I've hated it in the past, but I, I think you're in a good place right now where I can enjoy it. But they're still doing stuff that Romero did 40 years ago. Yeah. So there's only so much you, you can go over that same ground before it's just weathered away and eroded to nothing. Well, when you think about the new series of Walking Dead, what are we in season five now? Yeah. And most of probably half, I don't know, half to 60% of the show is action. There's no dialogue. It's gone from character building to more and more action at this point. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that I hate it. I still like the show and I watch it. It's one of the only shows that I watch on TV. It, it, it's going away from the character building and I think, um, I, I've heard this is the last season, but I'm not certain. But I think something's going to happen and it's going to end and then they're going to have their spinoff and it's going to rehash everything that just happened and there's not much you can do anymore that, that'll impress me with zombie movies, TV shows, anything like that. The sky's the limit. As long as you're bringing imagination to it, as long as you're finding some new way of approaching it. And like I said, with Warm Bodies, a zombie rom-com, that's what I want to see. I want to see people coming at it from a different angle. But I just have to say with Walking Dead, I can guarantee you I would put money on it. Walking Dead isn't going anywhere because as long as that show's making AMC money and AMC owns that show, it's not like they're having to pay a production company or something for the rights to show it on their show. It's theirs. They own it in perpetuity and with the ratings it's got, you're going to just gonna keep adding. They've only had done their first spinoff. If, okay. if that spinoff does well, it's going to be Zombie CSI on AMC. If right. AMC becomes a zombie <laughs> channel, that's what they'll probably have to do that because the money keeps rolling in. Because there's Z Nation, I think, right now on Sci-Fi and I haven't watched it, but... I- I'm aware I'm, that that exists. Yeah, I, I just don't understand it sometimes. That, that, but. That's as much of a commitment as I will make to even discussing that thing. I'm aware that that exists. Well, the only I brought that up only because I think I just watched a Kickstarter where this guy is making a book called Lovecraft, and it's the creator of that show. So that no, was well, fresh in my mind. It's it's uh, it, we've talked about this I think on the show before where there was a time when there were so few superhero movies that if you liked comic books you just saw everyone whether it was a character you cared about or not whether it was the fourth and worst Superman movie you're still going to see it because you're a comic book fan mm-hmm. um, and I used to feel and it sounds like it's somewhat mutual I felt that way about the zombies and then mm-hmm. it just reached that critical mass where it's like you know what this Z Wars thing that exists and it's got right. nothing to do with me so you guys go have fun I hope that works out for you I'm just going to be over here doing something else no I, I totally agree and speaking about comic book movies I love the first Judge Dredd simply because I'm a Stallone fan I did not hate that movie like everybody else did but mm-hmm. I didn't come at it like that's not Judge Dredd you ruined it I came at it as but I like Demolition Man so much better <laughs> no that's that's the truth and I, I hated Rob Schneider in that and that was the one downfall for me but Demolition Man was the superior movie at that point even Rob but Schneider it, was better in Demolition Man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> By the way, have you ever listened to the How Did This Get Made podcast episode on Demolition Man? No. That is, have you ever listened to that podcast at all? No. It's a very funny podcast where, again, they, they basically take down movies that they consider to be bad. And sometimes it's funny and sometimes they're just being bullies and picking on something that without it working. But I was listening to the Demolition Man episode when I went to a comic convention, I think last year, that wasn't any good. And I enjoyed mm-hmm. the podcast more than I enjoyed the convention. And I was laughing in the middle of a 
convention floor because it was so funny to me. So if you have a, if you have a, a if you enjoy Demolition Man, because it's not about tearing the movie down, it's about pointing out really weird, messed up stuff in that movie. But you're going right. to be rolling if you have any kind of sense of humor like mine. You're going to be laughing your ass off of that one. So I highly recommend giving that a download. And what's it called? It's called the show is called How Did This Get Made? Okay, yeah, I'll give that a look. Hmm. Okay, yeah, uh, that's about all I got, Frank. <laughs> no worries. Hey, I had a good time. It was a real fun. No, I, I enjoyed it, man. I, I like talking. Actually, I really like talking comic books. Like it says on our thing, we're not encyclopedias, but sometimes I remember stuff. So <laughs> actually, like I said, the only comic book podcast that I listen to. And uh, like I listen to Steve Austin and all the other old wrestlers. So this is uh, it's just it's it's good to see it every Monday coming around, Monday night coming around. One so. of these days, uh, we're going to have to turn Mac loose on some wrestling. That guy, that's that's his era, too, of Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock. Yes. He was very big into the wrestling then. And whenever we go to the con, He's always wanting to go off and talk to what is it, Brett Hitman Hart? Yeah, you know. So uh, yeah, that that's it, it, that's so in his wheelhouse. But neither me nor Fix It have anything to contribute, unfortunately. Well, when I get that other podcast running, maybe I'll have Mac on there if he's up he, to he it. He might have a good time with that. I'll let him know. We'll talk about some wrestling and some heavy metal. There you go. <laughs> awesome. No, it, it was it was fun, Frank. I appreciate you, uh, you taking the time out for me. No, no, not at all. It was a blast, and I, I appreciate you doing the same. Okay, dude. We'll talk to you later. Take care. Bye bye. Later. So I checked the mail recently and uh, Tumblr sent us a notice congratulating us on our second anniversary of podcasting. And uh, it occurred to me that probably for at least a year and a half, I've had a recording sitting waiting to be edited with uh, Curtis the Shadow. He's the first person I ever recorded with over the internet for one of our shows. I think I had gotten a mixer at that point and I'd been waiting to get a mixer before I was willing to even attempt to do that with somebody. I don't want to waste anybody's time. And so I was nervous and I was stammering like Porky Pig. It's I wasn't a big fan of my half of the audio. So I kind of sat on editing the episode and we also had a, a number of time sensitive episodes coming up involving the Marvel movies. They'd recently announced their big slate going off to 2020 and at Warner Brothers as well doing the same thing. So that kind of took priority. I'd also intended to record with Curtis and a bunch of other people in advance of doing a Secret Wars episode that Christmas and that never came to be. And every time I try to go and edit Secret Wars material, I kind of go down this rabbit hole of editing with nothing ever seeming to come out of it. So when I finally wanted to do this episode. I wanted to make sure I did a good job editing it, make it worth the wait. It was a lot of work uh, because I had to edit all the crumminess that I had contributed, all the blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I was just anxious about doing a good job after Curtis had had to wait so damned long for it to come out. So it just kept getting pushed further and further back. And I, in fact, I kind of stopped recording with other people, or at least I avoided recording with other people, particularly people that didn't have their own podcasts. Usually when you hear stuff that I've recorded with people since, it's been instances of them asking me to do something for one of their shows and I'm like okay well, why don't you record some stuff for one of our shows as well so it wasn't as much of a, of a situation where I, I felt like I needed to honor their efforts because they're kind of just doing it as a side thing for me working with them and so this episode just kept sitting longer and longer and longer we recorded it before the Odyssey Unleashed podcast was even a thing and it was quite a few months before it did become a thing it lasted about 13 episodes there hasn't been a new episode in about a year I did listen to them all though go ahead and check those out Curtis is still contributing to the Top 5 Comics podcast 
podcasts. They have produced 79 episodes across four seasons and still coming on. So again, I'm really sorry to Curtis that he had to sit for so long. Uh, there are other people that have also had their audio in podcast prison for some time. I am trying to make an effort to get that stuff out, and I hope you enjoyed this presentation. Anyway, we got Facebook likes from Ryan Daly. WordPress blog follows from The Dark Sprite and Dog Cuties. New Twitter follows from 365 Flicks Podcast. The Backroom Sesh Podcast. Cody Andrews Sousa. Coming soon at Jump the Fridge. Little Geek Lost. Open All Powers Podcast. Rick and Paul Heal the World Comedy Podcast. The Sunnydale Study Group Podcast. Talking Wonder Woman. Very Fishy News. And We Three Geeks Podcast. We got Follow Fridays from Charlie Niemeyer. Comic Reflections. Film and Water Podcast. The Hammer Strikes. King Size Comics. Giant Size Fun Podcast. Odell Abner Dracula. The Silver and Gold Podcast. And Superman Captain Marvel. We got retweets from Ange. Comic Reflection. Firestorm Fan. It's Plastic Man. The Randomitable. Steven Whistler. And Willie at Come Enjoy Lot. Twitter favorites came from Bill Bear. Brandon Mulally. Constant Taylor. Nethead. Randy the Miserable Retail Slave. Ryan Daly. So Wizard Podcast. My Workup. And Words and Pictures. Oscar Blue Devil wrote, Come on, get your Marvel fix right here. Storm Chaser 2162. Wrote of episodes 0 and 57. I just started listening to your podcast last night. I think it's fantastic. I'm playing catch up starting with some random topics. I love what you said about Cap being a great substitute male role model. I can totally relate. And how the shield is such a perfect bit of paraphernalia given how it's made to protect rather than to just cause harm. At least Marvel has given us a decent reason why Cap is now a sleeper agent of Hydra. Keep in mind I'm not willing to shut out $4. I still don't have Marvel Unlimited yet, so I'm going by the review from CBR. Storm Chaser, we're glad to have you. I hope you enjoy episode 50, which is a very Captain America-centric joint. And I also have to commend you on your endurance from being able to get through all the damned ads on comic book resources these days. Personally, I really can't. I've been checking out other places. Offhand, I'd recommend The Outhouse, Panels, The Beat, The Comics Reporter, Graphic Policy, Women Write About Comics, Loser City, and uh, Comic Book Movies. Oh, and Graphic Policy. Ali Bats wrote of The Double Life of Private Steve Rogers. It was a good episode. And, and despite his absence from it, Illegal Machine agreed. If you visit the blog, you can see an old picture that Ange sent us of his weird Sunday morning viewing of Howard the Duck. Two Dangerous for a Girl blog wrote, Will you be covering Patsy Walker number one? Here are my thoughts for what it's worth. And you can check those out on his blog. There's a link on our blog to check that out. We will be talking about Patsy Walker, aka Hellcat, sometime in the very near future. We actually recorded that material a long time back. But I've been working on a two-parter, another two-parter, I should say, for Patsy Walker herself and for the Hellcat identity. But uh, partially in honor of Curtis, who really preferred us when we had 45-minute episodes. And the fact that trying to do 90 and 120-minute episodes was freaking killing me. I've been trying to push back those longer episodes and, and give everybody a little bit more breathing room on this show between episodes and in the context of each episode. Martin Gray also notes, I am not Sovereign 7, I am Alpha Flight, showing solidarity with our Alpha Flight episode a while back. Andrew writes, I blame Rolled Spine for my intrigue with the Tiger Cat character. I don't know if I'd say all in, but they have me interested in Tiger's origins, and he sent us pictures of some Tiger comics he bought, quite a few of them in fact. You can see that on the blog. Again, I've avoided recording with people for a little while now, but uh, I should probably hit Ange up to see if he wants to contribute to an episode involving the Marvel team up with uh, Tiger versus Craven the Hunter. I know that that's available on Marvel Unlimited, so I don't personally have that issue, but it'd be one that we could use the touchstone. And then Ange also sent us pictures of wild Gene Colon art in the Doctor Strange dollar box issue, well worth the price. Trippy. Pretty sure Steve Englehart and Gene Colon just had Clea sleep with Benjamin Franklin back in 1776. I read that book as a kid. That totally happened. Hopefully we'll get to cover that on a future podcast. <laughs> And 
finally, the Mary Marvel Marching Society, the 108th Sage, Andrew and Belfast, Bone Dragon Comics, Candare Podcast, Cash Flag, Chris Sheehan, Coffee and Comics Blog, Don Glover, Darren Ruth Sutherland, Dr. G Nerdologist, Eric Mannix, FKA Jason, Gold Mine Productions, that's mine, kids, M-I-N-D, The Hammer Strikes, Jake and Tom Conquer Podcast, Keith G, Baker, Kevin Dodgy, Man X, wait, oh, okay, wait a second, Eric Mannix and Man X are the same dude. You almost got me, Bobby Krogan, Michael Wagner, Monsters and Mystics, Now That I'm Older Podcast, Odell Abner Dracula, Oscar Blue Devil, The Park Fanatic Podcast, Pietro Blacksamoth, Rabbit Stew Comics, Randy Caldwell, Silver and Gold Podcast, Son of Cthulhu, Synod Alias Scarecrow, Trekker Talk Podcast, Forward World Podcast, and Xenozoic Xenophiles Podcast. The Marvel Superheroes Podcast is in no way affiliated or endorsed by Marvel Entertainment. All characters mentioned and audio clips employed are believed covered under fair use, but remain copyright the respective copyright holders. But of course, the views expressed are wholly owned by the people who spoke them. No infringement is intended. Dreadstar. Oh, you want to get on Dreadstar? Well, you said you like the cosmic stuff, right? I love the cosmic stuff. That's why your actually first episodes hooked me on it. The Annihilation stuff? Yeah, and now you're dragging what, what me is, down I mean, with you're, Hellcat. You're, I'm, what now? I, I was making a joke about you dragging me down with the Hellcat. I'll tell you, though, I'm really proud of the Patsy Walker episode. I'm still editing it. I've been working on that since August. And okay. I, I think you said you like having the conversations. And, and it's highly informative, but because I had such verbal diarrhea related to it. I made a point of doing some stuff where it was just Mac and fix it together and letting them kind of go off. And it is such fun for me editing those episodes and listening to those guys just bitching at each other. Um, So regardless of your your interest in the Marvel horror stuff or Hellcat or any of that, I just think that that's a fun episode and I'm looking forward to that one coming out. But um, Dreadstar ran long enough that I know that the first ones would have to be just the three of us, but at some point they're going to lose interest, especially after the first dozen issues, you know, that that Mm -hmm. second year where Think, well, second two years actually, is, because it was bi-monthly, we'd need somebody. I, I, we probably need to bring somebody in just to keep it going. Like well, Annihilation, you, I'm, I'm really struggling to get those guys to do those last couple of miniseries and get them read and, and get to talking about it. So if there's cosmic stuff that you want to talk about that you're interested in, just think about stuff, throw it out as a suggestion, as a tweet, and uh, w- w- you know, I'll try to pick it up from there. And we also still want to do more independent stuff. I've, I've been trying to get that to happen. It's been a little bit slow. One guy will really like one book, and he'll read deep into that, and then the other guy won't and but they're, they're, we want to do a broader selection so if there's stuff that you'd like to talk about just you know, throw out a little tweet or do a DM or something and we'll go from there so you're not opposed to doing more I mean like independent meaning like image we, independent we, we or? very much intend to do independent work it's just a matter of it's it's been a struggle to get the guys to all read the same books you know okay. you, I've got, are, I've, you, I'm gonna, are you looking toward older stuff or absolutely everything uh, I was just thinking like uh, Captain Victory I, oh, the, the dynamic one yeah the Pacific. Oh, the uh, Pacific one. You know, I've never read those. I, in my entire, and they filled the freaking quarter boxes when I was a kid. I never yeah. read that Kirby stuff. As a, no, just, yeah. so, so good, so um, good. And that or Rocketeer, maybe. And I never really read Rocketeer either. Great looking book. That's something I could probably talk Mac into just because he loves the art so much. Oh yeah. Um, I wonder if maybe Fix It might have some of the Rocketeer stuff. I gotta, I gotta check to see what he's got. Um, but you're definitely in the right wheelhouse because a lot of the early '80s independent stuff I like. It's just mm-hmm. you're naming a bunch of Pacific stuff, and I was a first comics guy 
So right. I was reading like Grim Jack and you know, I've got Badger. some Nexus stuff. I don't really have Badger. <laughs> Man, I swear <laughs> to God. Um, but yeah, you know, I've, I've got Grim Jack lined up for sure. I've got some Nexus, but uh, I don't really have any freaking Badger, damn it. So, but, but you're in the right mind space. So yeah, yeah, you know, uh, definitely something to talk about. Some Sable maybe? I read a little bit of Sable, but I, my, I, <sighs> I think my real interest in Mike Grell ended with Warlock. I mean, not Warlock, Warlord. And right. Grell, I read bits and pieces of, but I never read a sustained run to give him an opportunity to try to hook me. But I know that they, they reprinted that through, um, who was doing the reprints on that in recent years? Was it uh, Comicsology? From, from first, Frank? Yeah, no, but I mean, in recent years, that Mike Grell stuff was recollected right. In, right. In, in trades. And I think it was the same guys. Maybe it was IDW? It might have been. I think it was IDW, actually. Point is that that yeah. stuff is out there. So I, it probably wouldn't be a big deal to try to score a volume from Amazon or eBay or something. So right. I, I'd be willing to check that out. Okay. So yeah. Yeah, and you can all just I'll send you a DM or you can send me a DM, whatever you want. Sounds like a plan. Okay. All right.